Please join me in the prayer of illumination. Teach us your way, O Lord, and lead us on your level path. Teach us, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then we will keep them to the end. Give us understanding, and we will keep your law and obey it with all our hearts. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And now reading from the word, Exodus 18, 13 through 24. The next day, Moses sat as judge for the people, while the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, Why are you why are you doing what you are doing? Sorry. What you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You should represent the people before God, and you should bring their cases before God. Teach them the statutes and instructions. And make known to them the way they are to go and the things they are to do. You should also look to able men among all the people. Men who fear God are trustworthy and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers, over thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. Let them sit as judge for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. All these people will go to their home in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are continuing our series this fall through the book of Acts, the story of the early church. We have seen how Jesus has taken this small band of Jewish people, kind of gathered from all parts of the world, and and poured out the Holy Spirit upon them. The very power that raised Jesus from the dead is, is poured out and given to the church. And we see that in that, that spirit, that power, they love one another greatly. They, they give generously. They, they care for and heal the outsiders. They study scripture. They pray. Last week, Acts 5, we looked at the first troubling roadblock the church really encounters. And it wasn't persecution or, or famine, but, but lying. Deceit as the first troubling crack. This week, Luke has us look at a second challenge the, Luke, the early church faces in its early days. And like last week, I think it's a bit unexpected. It is the challenge of growth. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. 
In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Think for a moment of what happens when news gets around that a baby is due in the family. Folks start sending cards or passing along congratulations phone calls, sending gifts. Baby showers get organized, or or if it's not the first child, sometimes you'll hear of baby sprinkles being organized. But we as a society have a host of ways wherein we naturally want to slow down and name and, and really celebrate the gift of new life in this family. There is an addition to the family. This is a unique and beautiful joy. Let us name this. What a joy we knew when, when, when Leo first arrived in our life back in February of 2016. And, and what, what joy Grace Covenant knows anytime there is a, a new baby in our midst like Charlie Rowe and Thomas Gray born just in these very recent weeks. Acts 6 tells the story of the church family expanding. Chapter 6, verse 1. The number of disciples was increasing. The the family's growing. And and that really is how it was understood, how it is understood. Jesus says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, my mother. When, When someone begins following Jesus, joins the church, this isn't just sort of a membership cohort kind of thing. They're family. We're one with one another. We're committed to one another. We, we, we stop and we give thanks. The family's growing. Look how God's at work. Act 6 begins with the good news of family additions. But I also remember back in the summer of 2016, a few months after Leo's joyful arrival, Michelle, she comes up to me one Sunday afternoon after we'd finished up worship and lunch and she says do you know you are slurring the words of your sermons like some of your words aren't coming out correctly or smoothly and I've long appreciated that that she will come and tell me what some of you are probably thinking and and maybe skirting around you're slurring your words I had no idea the toll the lack of sleep was taking on my body and my mind as I tended to the new addition in our family. And as much as a new addition 
is always joyous, is absolutely worthy of thanks then and thanks now. Let's also be honest, it also stretches and stresses our systems. Sometimes eventually to the point where it just becomes evident to everyone that something has to give. Your sermons are slurred. Or in the early case of the early church with the expanding family, it's the widows who are being overlooked in the food distribution. That is the visible way that has become apparent to the church that its system is now being stretched and stressed in ways that something needs to change. Widows were among the most vulnerable people groups in society, especially at that time. They lack a husband, and and so figuring out income and, and just food was especially challenging. Widows absolutely relied on the family of God being family, not just sort of kind charity from time to time, but really there for us. In the early church, they had a distribution system that worked to feed the widows. Looks like the apostles ran it. And when the widows were at a certain number, the system probably worked just fine. But then the, the church starts to grow among uh, the widows even. Uh, the Hebraic Jewish widows who'd lived in Jerusalem for many generations. And the Hellenistic Jewish widows who had come from all these Greek-speaking, Greek-cultured areas of the empire and had lived there for generations. And so now the system is strained and stressed. In some of the Hellenistic widows we read in particular, they're being overlooked in the food distribution. The growth starts to cause a visible problem. And in many ways, I think this is a a very familiar, almost mundane problem. Whether it's our biological family, our church family, our business, some endeavor we're involved in, in the community or school. Anytime there's growth, We love it. We name it. We celebrate it. And resources get stretched. And people start to get stretched. We may ride that good feeling of momentum for a season, but it eventually becomes obvious with growth that the ways you've been doing things before the growth is no longer sustainable. Because people do start losing sleep and they show up at their work uh, with less care and attentiveness. Or the parking lot of the church proves inadequate to the crowds. Or the widows, they, they're not getting enough food all of a sudden. Growth breaks systems and demands change. Now, Luke could have simply told the story. All that growth in the church led to some of the widows being overlooked in the food distribution. But, but it was a logistical problem that got solved when they, they learned how to better delegate the work. Let's move on to more interesting stories of miraculous healings and and jailbreaks. But I love that actually Luke dwells on this somewhat ordinary growth and logistics challenge for more than a quick verse or two. He observes that the church, the early church, sees these common challenges as a space to discern afresh what Jesus is doing. In fact, it's clear from the way that Luke tells the, the story that the apostles used the somewhat run-of-the-mill growth challenge to discern two things specifically. You see them discern their limits, and you see them discern love. Limits. 
The first line comes in verse 2. Notice what Luke says when the challenge arises. So the twelve, they gather all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables and, and address this food issue. The way they make that statement, it would not be right, makes it clear that, that at least one option that had been put on the table included the idea that perhaps the apostles should neglect their work of teaching and preaching scripture at some level and just work harder and longer to ensure that the food distribution issue is taken care of. Look, the growth is happening fast. Widows are getting overlooked in the distribution. You all need to meet the urgent need that is right in front of you. Put out the fire. And how many of us, when the stress picks up and there's a need, there's a compelling need, there's a genuine need, we jump in. We want to be servants of Jesus Christ. And that, that may be what Jesus is calling us to do. We see later in this story, some are called to that. But the apostles do not do this. Their words may even come off as callous at first. What they're doing is taking time to discern clearly how God has gifted and called them. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. It would not be right for us to say yes to be on the front lines of addressing this food distribution problem and thereby say no to the very specific way God has gifted and called us. We're gifted and called in this, in this way that, that serves the church. And if we, if we go and do that, we won't do that. We're starting to discern our limits. When Leo came along, I remember telling folks, at least verbally, I readily recognized God, God calling me to, to really prioritize my marriage and, and this new call to parenthood and and my call to, to pastor of this church and, and a lot of other things are going to need to be secondary or, or, or elsewhere. But what I did in reality, at least for the first few months amid this family addition, family growth, is just try to do most everything I'd always done in all facets of life, keep up with all the really great things, and also add this central priority of a child into the mix. And eventually the ministry of God's word starts getting slurred, and perhaps in more ways than just Sunday morning. I had failed to discern initially how much a yes to the call of parenthood amid the growth of our family would mean a discerning and accompanying no in other arenas. All of us today, I think, do gather amidst some measure of growth somewhere. Some of us can name growth in our family by way of children, grandchildren, marriage, remarriage. Some of us can name some growth in our workplace or a certain school effort, a certain effort in the community. Or if nothing else, we hear Grace Covenant. We can give thanks that, that even this fall we, we needed to add another children's Sunday school because we've just had so many babies born in recent years. And, and, and we give thanks that our children's choirs, what, right, right kind of around 18, 19 folks this year. We give thanks for this building in, in, in recent years is filled to incredible usage for the purposes of God's kingdom. Uh, we, we rent office space in this sanctuary to another local congregation, city church. 
Uh, certainly, Grace Covenant's Child Development Center, 80-plus children and 35-plus teachers in and out of this building Monday through Friday, all day long. We give thanks. And amid the growth God does, inevitable challenges and pressures and logistics start to press together. What if we took those moments and turned them into an invitation to discern afresh? Jesus, how again have you gifted me? Called me, called us. How can I say no amid all of the demands of growth so that I can most fully say yes to what you would have me prioritize. Jesus, help me discern my limits so I can lean most fully into the call and the gifts you have for me at this time. Jesus himself, early in his ministry, is having all kinds of success with his healing and teachings. Great passage early in in the Gospel of Mark. Everybody wants Jesus to come their way and heal and teach over this this direction. And and so Jesus' disciples, they go looking for, for Jesus who's gone away to pray on his own. And they find him and they say, everyone's looking for you. Get over here. And Jesus, he goes... Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is what, why I came out. He discerns a no amidst the demand of growth over here so that he has, can say a full yes to what God has given him in that time. To be sure... The apostles here, they don't discern their limits on this issue and then drop the whole food distribution issue for someone else to figure out. No, I mean, this is a, this is a, a justice issue. This is important. They most definitely take time to discern their limits, but then they also take the time to discern love. Even if we ourselves are not going to be on the front lines of the logistical challenge, how can we help discern how love will lead the church through this particular challenge and as you heard they said uh, let's get seven men who are quote full of spirit the spirit and wisdom and it's apparent that while some of the apostles may be tempted then to, to maybe do too much during a season of growth they need to name their limits others in the church had yet to have an opportunity to step forward in love and be part of a new solution And notice that these seven that are drawn in to be part of the new solution, they're not just said, just go figure it out. We don't want to see this issue come back. Thank you. No, these men, they're brought before the apostles, the central leadership. And then Luke, he takes time to name them. Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas. Then... They have their hands laid upon by the apostles and they're prayed over. There is this sense of real deliberation and sacredness and thoughtfulness to what is being done to address the logistics crisis. And perhaps to an outsider you can imagine why this big deal of naming these people, laying hands on them, praying over them with like your top leadership... They're being sent to figure out a food distribution problem, honestly, on behalf of people that most people don't notice. 
We celebrate big accomplishments, big events, big growth, big wins. That's when you get your name. We name as our Lord and Savior the one who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so the apostles recognize we as a church, if there's anything that we underscore, if there's anything that we honor, if there's anything that we set apart and name as distinctly central, oh, it's servanthood. We are saved by servanthood unto death. And so, yes, it is. It is right and good to celebrate moments of growth in the family. But what I love is that Luke records how the church, amid great family growth, time is taken to underscore servanthood. In fact, what the apostles end up doing is, is the beginning of a new form of formal ministry that we know as deacons. Deacon, literally translated servant. The word uh, diaconus, it's not literally in our passage, but Acts 6, it's eventually recognized as the first time the role of deacon is being set apart in the early church. These are the first seven formal deacons, servants of the church. And today, churches around the, the globe and nearly every denominational stripe continue to have deacons in some form or another. We Presbyterians, we have a definition of deacon you can find in the, the PCUSA's book of order. The ministry of deacon. As set forth in scripture, and one of those scriptures is based in Acts 6, is one of compassion, witness, and service. Sharing in the redeeming love of Jesus Christ for the poor, the hungry, the sick, the lost, the friendless, the oppressed... Those burdened by unjust policies or structures or anyone in distress. Persons of spiritual character, honest repute, exemplary lives, brotherly and sisterly love, sincere compassion and sound judgment should be chosen for this ministry of deacon. At Grace Covenant, we currently have Many who have served as a deacon. We have 12 active deacons. Atunu Atakoya, Carlton Boiseau, Lisa Cardwell, Diane Davis, Gary Flake, Mary Gray, Ginny Hardman, Margaret Harvey, Steve Kemp, Helen Lanier Reevely, Carl Rubis, and Elizabeth Russell. And as many of you know, when officers are first ordained to the office of elder or deacon... The current elders and pastors of the church will surround them right up here at the, at the front of the chancel. And we lay hands on those folks. And we pray over them. We name them. And what do they do specifically at Grace Covenant? What are these servants? What don't they do? They do. They organize a lot of the details and logistics for our various church meals, fellowship events, much like the Grace Supper Church potluck yesterday evening. They organize and coordinate the greeters and ushers. They coordinate and provide hospitality for the inquirer's class. They visit, they write, they call our homebound members in a regular rotation, help distribute the flowers to those folks. They ensure the serve worship service is broadcast by way of radio each week and then uploaded to our website each week. 
They moderate the church's deacons fund, which is a fund that exists to help church members and their family and staff who face financial difficulties. They coordinate meals and logistics for families with new babies, families facing grief and loss. They lead prayer services in the chapel after worship on the first Sunday of the month, and they pray for the weekly concerns that are submitted by way of communication cards. They ensure we have cake after each baptism and a Bible given to families when the child is baptized or an adult is baptized. They coordinate and provide for rides for people who need a ride to worship. They, the little hearing device things that some folks appreciate using in the pews to hear the service, they check the batteries so that the word of God might be heard clearly. They organize a lot of different efforts and awarenesses around justice that we might see and hear the pain and cries in our midst and just beyond our midst that we might otherwise overlook. Their hearts are attuned to the distress. That's just some of the formal responsibilities, not all, let alone the informal ways they serve and love. But notice how many of those are nitty-gritty even logistical details, easily overlooked or underconsidered, the church of Jesus Christ lifts up, sets apart as of central importance, the ministry of servant, of deacon. We recognize that in the very existence of a diaconate, we are proclaiming the gospel of a God who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And their coming into existence is really how the early church navigates the challenge of growth with love. Essentially declaring, okay, the more God is faithful, the more God grows, the more we serve. The wider the net is cast to invite service. In fact, what finally brought me to a healthier season of life and ministry after those sleepless months was twofold. One, learning afresh to discover my own limits and where I needed to prioritize. But two, learning to receive gifts from others. Many from among this congregation who said, let me help, let us help. Jesus is calling us to assist with this aspect of ministry or of, with Leo or, or with this endeavor. The more God grows, the more we serve. Some of us this morning, amid challenges of growth of some sort or another, we stand with the apostles or or perhaps even with Moses in that passage from Exodus and we feel the pressure just to do more. How is the Holy Spirit calling us to name then our limits? To live into our primary calling and gifts and stop trying to be God. Others, if we're honest, we stand actually a bit more with those seven deacons. How is God calling us to name a yes to maybe a new form of servanthood in this season of life? Is Jesus calling me to grow in love amidst the growth he is doing around me and in my midst? And then still others of us, we're here and we recognize ourselves standing in both places. A need to say no to some things, even as we're realizing that creates some space because we've got a yes Jesus has on our heart. 
Where do you stand today? If nothing else, it's certainly a live question for our membership as we're going to open the officer nomination process in the month of October. And some of you will be invited to prayerfully discern if God is calling you to be an elder or deacon for such a time as this in the life of Grace Covenant. I love that our passage, it ends with this simple, remarkable observation of what happens next after the apostles address the food distribution challenge in the manner we've considered. Verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. God proves faithful. Some in the church have discerned their limits. Some have discerned a call into new forms of servanthood. And God's work continues rapidly. Which makes it clear that the pressures and stresses and challenges of growth never really cease. Not with our God whose kingdom is always expanding somehow, somewhere, some way. May the Holy Spirit give us courage to name our limits. May the Holy Spirit give us an openness to new forms of servanthood that proclaim the gospel. And may the Holy Spirit give us grateful hearts that readily see and celebrate the ways in God, the ways in which God continues to be so abundantly faithful. Amen.